1: Go to the slash transistor
0: and check it out. Support our show and support your own show by going to the slash transistor. Start growing your podcast today. Andy, according to my friend Internet, this is what Letterboxd is.
2: and welcome to the film board from the next reel on rashpixel.fm we spoil movies and tonight we're taking a long road trip through the deep south in the 60s pre-civil rights act in the new movie out in theaters now green book the key to that time period is that quite officially at that time discrimination and segregation according to a person's skin color was legal we're gonna spoil the movie for you Not everyone received equal treatment in the 60s This is based on a true story Taking place over the course of a couple months Late in 1962 About the friendship forged between two unlikely roadmates Dr. Don Shirley A world class pianist And his hired muscle Tony Vallalonga, Tony Lip let me introduce you to our roadmates tonight did you know anything about this story before seeing the movie Steve Sarmento
3: no, I did not but I always love a good road movie. Great
0: how about you Pete Wright Did you know anything? I didn't and I was waiting for the trading of the traveling pants was that supposed to happen in this movie? There was washing of socks <laughs> does that count <laughs> Oh that is, I was told there
2: would be traveling them pants on TV. These guys call me JJ, and I didn't know anything about this story before, pants or no, before we saw it. So I want to jump right into the spoilage. But first, make sure that you go check out all the details about this show and the Next Reel's extended family of podcasts at thenextreal.com there you can join our fun community of film fanatics so surf on over because we want to continue the conversation with you all right green book let's get the rubber to the road
1: yeah some guy called over here a doctor he's looking for a driver you interested i am not a medical doctor i'm a musician i'm about to embark on a concert tour in the deep south what other experience do you have public relations do you foresee any issues in working for a black man you and a deep south there's gonna be problems promise me you're gonna write me a letter no tell me that don't smell good i've never had fried chicken in my life you people love the fried chicken you have a very narrow assessment of me tony
0: yeah right i'm good what did you think about it pete so this is what uh whitewashing looks like everybody this is what <laughs> that looks like kids. Uh, it it's uh this is a movie that is uh, made up of some fantastic moments of performance, uh, and uh, then w- weirdly it turns into an infomercial, and it's oh. very strange. And I I had a very split relationship with this movie.
2: Yeah, we've seen some criticism out there on the internet of it in the whitewashing vein. Steve, Steve, how did you feel about the movie on first view? Uh-
3: yeah, I'm sort of in the same pair of pants as Pete at uh, this one. <laughs> I, I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed pieces of it. Um, it, it's, it's sort of. I, I hate to say this, and let me explain. But I find it sort of a compliment to Hidden Figures, where we're given a historical perspective on something that really glosses over a, a complicated issue uh in favor of just telling a nice story and getting people to feel good about themselves by the end of it and knowing that the reality was a lot uglier a lot messier and not nearly as tidy uh is i feel like going back to what you said about first man this is a movie that okay you, you bleep out some of the profanity this is one where you feel like in you know, high school. Oh, here, this is this is what it was like in the South. Uh, a nice yeah. sanitized yeah. version uh, that could be presented to kids to say, "Oh, look, here were these mean people, but overall good people went out, so every, everybody should feel good about it."
2: Yeah, and I think that's interesting that you bring that up because I think there's actually some contradictory messages in that good people win out concept in this film, which I definitely want to get into when we talk about it more. I think it's interesting that you talk about it being sanitized. When I walked out of the movie, I felt like it was not a bad movie. It was generally a feel-good movie about a really difficult not feel good period in our history and they did a lot to like you said sanitize it I didn't think of that word earlier when I saw the movie but that's how I felt in that the drama wasn't really that dramatic and that might be also kind of the the result of having a Fairly brother directing it um, and we've heard some there's some anecdotal uh, stories about that too that I want to talk about as well I want to go directly though as we start this conversation about the th- title of this movie because I was really reluctant when I heard this movie for a number of reasons that we're going to talk about today but the first thing with this thing about it being Green Book the the concept of the Green Book is this really important I consider to be a really important con- concept that came in the 40s, 50s, and 60s in America. I learned about it on 99 percent Invisible about this book that was circulated through different areas, through gas stations and things in the Deep South that allowed Black uh, Americans and Black visitors to travel through the Deep South without running into racist or segregation uh, segregation laden places. Um, that is the title of this movie and. It isn't even that the concept isn't really talked about except for a short introduction and then used
0: twice in the movie. Why did they title this movie Green Book? Because they had that great scene already written where she comes down and says, where are you going? And he says, I don't know. The producers gave me this handy book cut to close up on (laughs) Green Book. What's that? Oh, I don't know. Something about where black people should go in the south without being antagonized. Wow, what a terrific idea. Cut back to close-up on Green Book. Slow pan on title. Wow, that's innovation. I mean, that kind of stuff stuck out so hard for me and made it, it just totally took me out of the movie. It felt really like Peter Farrelly kind of stretching his legs a little bit, thinking, when can I be slapstick? I want to do it. I want to, oh, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to not do it right now. That's what it felt like to me. Well, and I feel like they gave...
2: This important piece of American history through the Civil Rights Movement really short shrift in telling in saying this is Green Book, this is the story. This isn't the story of Green Book. It's not the story of Green Book. No, and I bring up that 99% Invisible. I'm I'm actually going to put a link to that episode in the show notes because it gives the history of the importance of this 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 really this document that was shared around that allowed people to navigate a really difficult and and scary time in history. It, it's really interesting and great stuff. And that's not what this movie is about. And that bothered me to the hilt. Um, That was a really big part of it. And some of the criticism that I've seen out there is that, uh, is that it's terribly titled. And I think that's appropriate. The other thing is that you say whitewashing. This is a very – I didn't get it when I saw it. I didn't get it when I saw the trailer. But this is – essentially a white savior movie
0: exactly they they made a racist bouncer the hero of the black movement in, <laughs> in the jim crow south oh, and it's That's horrifying funny. it's just horrifying
2: An estranged black man back to back to all of a sudden now he can uh, accompany family right because yeah. he was estranged from his family but since he made friends with this guy now he can he's he's okay in the world i have a lot of problems with that being this story
0: yeah yeah i I yes. really do too and and I don't think Viggo Mortensen carried it i just don't i i don't feel good about his performance as as being the guy who was who was suitably aware of the weight of of what he was doing you know mm-hmm. i i i just really really struggled with that and uh um you know i don't i, I it was it was very disappointing and unfortunate
2: yeah, I think it's interesting that you bring up Vigo's performance. They when I looked into some of the history of how this movie got made, they said that uh, Nick uh Tony's son Nick actually uh, had known of this Story in his dad's history, um, and so much so that before Tony died, Nick had gone and videotaped an interview with him about this story. So I think it's interesting that we think of how Vigo got there because they actually had some source material of Tony and how he talked. And in this article, uh, Peter Farrelly talks about the fact that there's he is so vile and rough and uses such language that they had to actually tone him down to be able to get the movie because he's just rife with uh, slurs and and terrible things to describe people of all types yeah um so i think it's interesting that that vigo was the way he was at, after watching tony lip's uh real source interview
0: yeah it was it, it was hard to watch it was hard yeah. to watch him uh kind of be that person uh and it was it was hard because it was I, I found myself as a, a white guy just so deeply offended that this is the story that uh, that white guys are telling about the black Jim Crow South. Like, I just I'm I'm really horrified by it. And it's it it is uh, uh, it was not a feel good movie in that respect. And I, the only thing I thought when I walked out of this movie is what would it have been like if this movie had been told by, you know, Steve McQueen? Or John Singleton, or uh, yeah. F. Gary yeah. Gray, or Antoine Fuqua, or Spike Lee. I mean, come sure. on! Like this, th- yeah. this is a story that needs to be told by those with some sort of a with with a deeper history of who the hero is uh, in this story. The guy who who uh, you know the the musician who is facing his demons and staring them straight down, both his deep interpersonal demons and the demons that that are chasing him across the landscape of the South. Uh, uh, and uh, that's the story I wanted told. And instead, I got like Vigo's story. Oh, here's the schlub bouncer who goes to drive a caddy through the south. Like, I, I just was not I was not into that story. And Steve,
2: you found an article or uh, something posted on the web about um the don shirley family's sort of a criticism about the film too what, what what did you what did you see in that
3: so what i stumbled across because i i just wanted to see what the general you know response to this movie is because like pete i came out feeling like oh this was not what i was hoping for and yeah don shirley's family and this is going to be the case where truth is always sacrificed on the altar of of a story and what needs to happen in the story. And they said Don was not estranged from his family. Uh, But when you have your other character, Italian, who is all about family, you've got to have the polar opposite. But they said they were so offended that there was no attempt to even apparently contact them to get their input or feedback about his portrayal. Um, And I read a little bit further through to find out if they were just completely, you know, cut out of this I, I couldn't find a lot although you know we know this is Tony telling his dad's story so and we do have those those scenes of them, you know uh, Tony the Lip and uh, Doctor Shirley together. So we know that there's at least archival footage that was went into uh the portrayal, but just in terms of family having input and in say how you know he was presented in the film. Uh, I guess they're they're quite upset, and I think his one of his brothers, the last brother, uh, basically refuses to see the movie because from what he's heard, it's it's not. He says that's not his brother that's being presented in this film.
0: Well, no, I have it on some cinematic authority that he was estranged from his brother, and so that doesn't make sense to me, Steve. It's none Just
2: because you learned it today <laughs> from watching the movie—is that what you're
3: saying? Right. I learned it today
0: in the movie, <laughs> so, and I. Well,
3: Okay, so I want to come back to to storytelling, and you know, there's lots of things that you always have to stray from the truth, and so I, I want to talk about some of the things that were given about these characters because if we talk about Vigo as uh, you know Tony Lip and all that. There's a scene early on that I thought this is, this is one of these pieces that's here to tell us what type of a man he is. And it's the scene with the hat where, you know, a big player comes oh, yeah. into the, the Copa, makes a big deal a about second. his hat. And then he, you know, his, it was given to him by his, what his wife, his mother. I can't even remember. There's it. yeah. a big, his, his mom, a big yeah. to do about his hat. And so then he leaves to get it and then tony comes in and basically tells the hat check girl to give him the hat and she's like i don't he pays her off and then of course we see that when he goes to check out his hat's not there there's a big scene there's a there's a big ruckus and later on tony shows up to present the man with his hat so he's basically you know fabricating an event so that he can be uh he can have this man's gratitude and i thought okay here's something interesting about tony lip he knows how power structures work he knows how to get in good with the guys with money and power he's a you know he can be deceitful but clearly he knows how these systems work so i thought here's a shrewd guy they're giving us this for some reason let me see what it is and the only thing that i can see was it's the setup for when he later on claims to be the the greatest bs artist Mm -hmm. of all time and i thought but that's not what i got out of that i i'm expecting a guy that knows how to read people or knows how to manipulate people but i don't see that play out in the film his way of manipulating people is basically punching them in the face that's all he does once we get on the road there's right. never an opportunity for him to 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 show that he's the greatest bs artist of all time he gets them in trouble he responds with his fists and i thought then well, why are we getting all this set up at the beginning? It, to me, completely undermined a, a character arc or
0: something to give me some reason why I why I'm watching his journey. You know, Steve, I think that is absolutely uh, spot on, and, and it, it, nowhere is that more clear than the scene where uh, Vigo sees that there's trash in the piano in Iowa, wherever they are, and that Indiana. it's not a Steinway, right? Yeah, Indiana. It's not a Steinway, and he starts having this conversation with the maintenance guy, and I'm thinking, wow, what a great opportunity to demonstrate why Tony Lip is, is you know, he's going to use this sort of New York Italian charm to, to talk his way into solving this problem, and then he ends up smacking the guy in the head and i found that so disappointing because we already have opportunity for violence later we have opportunity for violence when you know he actually is protecting dr shirley uh from the violence in the bar like that's a different side of tony that we get to see later this is an opportunity to show just a little bit of nuance that maybe he doesn't know he's capable of, you know, like give us give us just a little bit to, to show them the multiple dimensions of this character. And we never get that beyond what they have to tell us. Well, yes. and this
2: is a big place where the screenplay fails, because in word, in the dialogue, in the story, multiple times we are told as a moral to the story that violence, stealing, stealing cheating, gaming the system, bullshitting, whatever it is, uh, uh, is not the way to win. Right? Mm -hmm. Uh, There's a direct quote from it that the only way to win is to retain our dignity. But unfortunately, the show and not tell of this story is that actually if you do all of those things, you do win. He gets out of all these situations by using violence, stealing, cheating, gaming the system and all these things. So unfortunately it has the effect of kind of what's happening in our political culture right now in that we're teaching our children not not to lie and to be and to have integrity but we have this example in the world of the the greatest liars cheaters stealers and bullies are the ones that are getting ahead and i have that problem with this movie in that They are saying that the moral of the story is to hold your integrity, but they show lots of little crises that doing the wrong thing gets you out of trouble. I have a problem with that in this story, and I think it fails in the show even when they're trying to tell us the right thing to do.
3: Look at Tony Lip, who is set up from the very opening of the movie as this, you know, extremely racist guy. He's gonna he's gonna throw out the glasses that the two repairmen in his house drank water from. You know, I mean it, it's it's not just that. Oh, he you know culturally has. I mean, it's this this whole embedded mindset of like, oh, they're just physical touching something, it's contaminated, and he becomes such a great guy by the end. Um, and, Steve, and that's what I, we're I supposed think you're to learn. Being
0: so generous, he becomes a great guy within ten minutes. <laughs> well, yes, I mean that's that, yeah, you know, it was we we totally see all these,
3: right, and it's yeah. Well, he takes the job, and I thought, okay, here's a situation, and they perhaps didn't set the stakes high enough. Um, it's like, oh, the rents due next month. Or next week or whatever. So he's got to take the job. You know, he can't, you know, he, the whole. He had
0: to eat the he, hot dogs.
3: Yeah. Which is again, one of those. My dad told an anecdotal story, 26. a fun story. So we're going to put a scene in about right. my dad ate 26 hot dogs. I don't care. Um, way to go, Nick. But, but, yeah, but here's the thing. Yes, I can buy that. And maybe it was underplayed that he took this because yes, it's going to be uncomfortable him, but he knows he needs the job. He knows he needs to take this because he's got to provide for his family. So I thought, okay, I can let that slide, but there was, there was still not enough awkwardness and uncomfortableness between the two of them for him to, I did not see him resolve his issues. He just, you know, if you, spe- which I, I will appreciate the fact that if you spend time with somebody, you are going to get to know them as a person and not as a stereotype, and hopefully that is something that people will take away. If there's somebody you have issues with, whether you're on different ends of the political spectrum, maybe sitting with each other in a car ride across country is a good way to get to understand each other and set differences aside and learn to appreciate each other as a human being. And that's the, the smallest bit of something positive I can take out of this, because even it's just, oh, there's so many things I want to say about the cliches that are just promoted and not resolved, not dealt with, yet we have a happy ending at the end. And that's well, and just... Pete-
2: Pete you said that he made the turn in 10 minutes but I think yeah. what I like what you're saying here Steve because I think the that's, that that would be the one thing that I actually liked about this movie is that I found the pacing of their turn in where they start with their so on opposite sides ideologically uh, but over the pattern of crises they become to a place where they can accept each other neither one of them seems to change this kind of thing that's usually my biggest complaint with movies like this is that it turns really quickly but i felt like the pacing of that was great so pete i want to hear you said that it happened in 10 minutes where, where did you notice that all of a sudden they were being friendly or that the there they were all of a sudden allies as opposed to uh, still on these ideological poles polarization polar point. I, I
0: felt very much like the uh, any sort of conflict between them was much more sort of surface cultural uh it was much sure. more like oh wait you don't throw your chicken bones out the window y- you know <laughs> i mean that's that's stuff that that uh, i feel like was such um uh, such surface level kind of like a, a getting to know you material that it, it just had no real uh, substantial merit uh, to the the weight of the story, and I, I struggled with that because every time we were in the car, I think they just lost opportunity to do something uh, of any strength of messaging. We had one bit again of character development when, and which you know, for, according to the family, is now fraudulent. But when he gets out of the car, I'm I'm speaking of uh, Doctor Shirley gets out of the car in the rain and says, "Who am I? I don't know who I am. I'm not black enough for the black community, and I'm I'm just a you know a, a, a you know, the, the entertaining Negro for the white community. I'm just the, you know, just the entertainment. So who am I? Who am I? Right. I mean, that's kind of the message of his character arc is him trying to figure out who he is. He's putting on, um, you know, he's got such this persona, uh, for most of the movie to show up and s- in that giant robe and sit on a throne during the job interview, I mean, that that's uh, th- sets an, an interesting bar for the character. Where do you go from here? And then for the rest of the movie to just, uh, you know, to not uh, kind of even taste, uh, you know, the 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 struggle. Uh, that that he's going through until that moment in the rain. Uh, I, I just yeah. I just felt like it was it was empty for so much of the film. And and I don't want to say that as if I I mean I think that uh, Mahershala Ali is a national treasure. Like I am yes. a huge fan of that guy. I mean, uh, from Me the too. the second I saw him, uh, and I think the the I'm trying to remember where I saw him first. You know, if it was House of Cards, I think I first saw him in. Uh,
2: oh, who was he in House of Cards?
0: Uh, he was Remy Remy Danton in uh, House oh. of Cards uh and then uh, you know he's in Luke Cage right he's in Cottonmouth in in Luke Cage and and uh, he's fantastic shit. in Luke Cage and obviously we have him in in Moonlight and Free State of Jones I mean he is Fantastic! I haven't watched the the latest season of True Detective, um, which I think is, is that out yet or is it not out yet? I'm, I'm not sure that it's out yet. Um, but I, I'm so behind on so True this Detective. This is 2019 on IMDb. Uh, so anyway, he's coming into that. Uh, and I just, I really like the guy. And I feel like he was, um, he came out of this movie largely untested. See,
3: I first encountered him on a little sci-fi TV series called The 4400. Which I don't know if oh, you recall. He was on that? What's interesting is he was dating, his character is dating a white woman. And so when they come back and they're, you know, return to our time in whatever, 2000, early 2000s, like this whole relationship now, the world has shifted. And so for them to have this, you know, interracial, you know, relationship was, you know, a, a big shift for them. So it, it's interesting to think about that uh, for me as my first encountering him. As a character that's you know dealing with these race issues and seeing it here again in Green Book, because honestly, all I could think about uh, in terms of this relationship was, wow, we're redoing The Odd Couple because Doctor Shirley is like the perfect like you know Felix you know Unger of like I don't want to get grease on my my nice blanket here and oh do I have a napkin and a fork to eat this fried chicken and he's just so fastidious and that can definitely be you know, accurate and the type of person he was, but between him and then Tony is just the slob. It just, to me, just reeked of, Oh, what, what's an easy way to get to comedy. Let's pull out the stops on this, you know, whole odd couple thing and show how opposite they are, but really ignore all the important issues that they should be getting at. I mean, how do you have, how do you have Tony lip go to a YMCA in the middle of the night to pick him up when he was caught by the manager, you know, apparently mm-hmm. involved in some type of homosexual act, Dr. Shirley and some guy. And there is nothing about that at all, other than, you know, I work the clubs in New York. I see a lot of crazy stuff.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and
3: right, right. that's just like, okay. So not only are we just avoiding. <laughs> There's so many things where this is a big deal. How were? How do they work this out? Yeah, it's crazy stuff. It's okay, man. New York, am I right?
2: Yeah, and that's it. Comes a little bit from the source material, right? Because I mean, we had the same question about First Man last month when we looked at it, and we realized that this is somewhat anecdotally. First Man was anecdotally from Neil Armstrong's perspective. Well, this is Tony's story as recorded by his son Nick and then told so of course you know we're going to get some uh, unfortunate biases towards to- the good-hearted Tony person and i think that the 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 problem with this is that uh, that's that's not fair to the story that's not fair to what's going on here and i think that criticism that you brought up early for earlier from the Shirley family is really important that if this is the story of Don, Dr. Don Shirley's courageous tour through the Deep South to make a statement about his performance ability, which is what they allude to through the dialogue in this film. Why are we telling it as Tony's story?
3: Yep, yep, yep. That only and the only resolution that we have for Dr. Shirley, which really upset me at the end, was so he as as Pete alluded to, we have that you know conversation where I'm not black enough for the and I'm not white enough for this, and and who am I? And so he apparently comes to find his own joy and in, in peace by you know playing you know jazz piano at the little club he plays he plays his you know classical piece his chopin uh and then the band comes up and it's like yeah it's just like he's he's, he's embracing his blackness which is to eat fried chicken and play jazz in a little club like that and you know he comes out he's all happy saying hey i'd do that once a month for free and for me, it just was, okay, you're embracing the stereotype that you've been pushing back against. How how are you resolving this of this cultural identity of who you are and what you're striving to be? And if you're embracing this, you know, doesn't know Aretha Franklin, doesn't know Little Richard, all of these things. There's so much to unpack there with what he is going through that is just glossed over. And, oh, he's he's found his blackness, people, so that's okay. And, you know, Tony likes him for who he is as a person, so we can all be happy at the end.
2: Yeah, it's tough. And I, I just, oh. in thinking about, you know, we have talking about what Mahershala Ali has done and other things. And I think, uh, most famously, yeah, I, would, I, I would argue for Moonlight. Right. Yes. Because yeah, right. of yeah. where Moonlight is in, 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 in best film background and, and things like this. And I, I used, to, there's a podcast that used to exist called Represent. that was on Slate. It was hosted by a host named Aisha Harris. And she had a segment, it's not on anymore, but she had a segment where she would ask the guests when they came on the show, what was the last thing that you saw in media where you felt yourself represented? And it, it got to the point where they had to stop saying, so they had, she had to say, uh, other than Moonlight. Because it was so common for people on the show to say, that's where I saw, you know, I I was able to see through these three phases of moonlight, you know, myself or my life represented in one way or another. I can't see that happening with this movie. I can't no. see anyone coming to this other than maybe Italian Americans in New York <laughs> coming and saying, I see myself represented in this movie. And I think that's it's really unfortunate when the title's Green Book and it's this and it's the story of Dr. Don Sh- Shirley. And it's not going to be necessarily representative of anyone. It, it, and I could be wrong. I mean, there could be people that would have a counter to this argument, but I don't think it's going to be representative of anyone within that culture.
0: I think we can, I'm equally gratified that, uh, I didn't see myself, uh, reflected, (laughs) represented in this film. So I'm into that. That's true. Uh, we talked about the
2: piano. You went into the piano. How were those piano shots executed? Mahershala Ali didn't learn to play piano
0: right he did. not like that no 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 he didn't uh, he had a double he he, had, he actually his double was chris bowers the the uh, yeah. composer and and the, oh, the guy behind okay. the score and and you know there's some wonderful stories that bowers has about the his experience that that so much of of ali's uh, performance is about you know posture and you know the okay. physics of the body and how he carries himself and i think uh, i think he actually does that quite well i i think he is He's believable as an eccentric pianist and uh, so I, I walked away thinking that's that's really a highlight. I think the music was orchestrated really well and um, and performed really well. I think it was it was lovely e- knowing that he didn't uh, he wasn't actually playing the piano. I will say um, I, I don't know how they did it, but I can't wait to see some of the behind the scenes, the motion control stuff that they must have been doing to I get think they did it with his hands, right? Yeah, I mean, they they definitely did it with his hands, but how they they put those hands, because there were scenes where uh, it it looked really quite compelling that Ali was was actually playing the keyboard. And, uh, you know, I was trying to watch closely. I always watch pretty closely when I watch these kinds of movies. And, um, you know, it's not like... uh, uh, La La Land, where the, the, the problem was not that uh, Ryan, uh, what's his name? Gosling. Gosling didn't learn to play the piano. He did. It's that the editing actually took it away from him, uh, so which is really unfortunate because he worked so hard on this. This, knowing that Ali didn't learn to play the piano, but still learned to present as a pianist. Um, that's I, acting. I, yeah. That's I mean, acting. that's that's craft. And I think he did a, a quite a good job um, with, with that piece of it.
2: We talked a little bit about Peter Farrelly and coming from a comedic or slapstick-ish background uh, and is coming, stepping out. Uh, you know, when people list this movie, they're saying it's dr- drama, but they're also saying it's comedy, um, which is, is tough. I saw anecdotally in uh, one of the reports about it that uh, Peter tried to direct things into a funny direction at the and that the writers had to keep pulling him back because of the subject matter. Now, that doesn't surprise me a bit, but I think that that, Discussion. the fact that there's a public uh, report of that discussion kind of speaks to that level of sanitation that we talked about earlier. That might be why we don't feel a deeply dramatic story, and obviously we aren't going to go uh, fully comedic in this. Uh, did you guys feel uh, some Farrelly touches in this movie when you were watching it?
3: I'm not a big fan of the Farrelly, so I couldn't say what any of those touches would be. I yeah, there Any movie that's going to... For me that's going to sanitize history in this way that it's going to have those lighter comedic moments to it I don't think Viggo Mortensen is known for his comic timing or anything but I mean there, there were some laughs there were some good laughs and some you know can't come out of I think the the ironic sort of distance we have to 1962 in the situations um, that are there that we can laugh at some of the absurdity of things um, but I yeah i it's about where i expected this this to fall in that that middling run of you've got to lighten it up because if this if this stays too heavy um it's going to have to get into serious territory and, and tackle these issues and it, this was not a film that was ready to do that so i i couldn't point to any fairly isms in this other than yeah it had some light comic touches to it
0: I could not help but think that and, and I wonder if Peter Farrelly didn't have this in his sights too that that this movie would be the one that made the Adam McKay turn uh, <laughs> do you know what I mean yes. like yes, to go know from what uh, yes. Kenny Powers yeah. and Anchorman to the Big Short and Vice and Bad Blood like these ah. I, I am now so deeply interested in Adam McKay's stuff because of that turn that he made and he used the comedic skill uh, storytelling skill to do some incredibly interesting things in drama in the big short yeah. and set and him. In, uh, it is just great. It is just great. And it made me that much more excited for vice. And I think he, he has a, a and, and that's I, honestly going into this movie. That's what I wanted. I wanted this to be that movie for me. I wanted to, to have that. I, I wanted, you know, Steve posted in the discord, the, the variety, uh, um, cover was that the ad or cover for, um, uh, you know, is was their Oscar cover. um, that with the quotes on it from rolling stone in a time when our nation is more divided than ever this movie offers the possibility of redemption thanks to the dream team of vigo mortensen and mahershala ali audiences will be cheering it might be the best film you will see all year deadline for your consideration in all categories green book you know i wanted this to be that movie and it just could not have been further from it
3: no i think the adam mckay point is is it is where I think this was going, and what I was hoping for was to, to tackle on the absurdity of of the darkness head on, and then find the comedy in this. Whereas this just veered off from taking these issues head on and finding the absurdity uh, that Adam McKay does in you know Big Short of just full barrel into the craziness, and this doesn't take that on at all, and that's you know what as we've said again and again it's just it's a sanitized version and so we can't get that greatness out of it because you've got to have those highs and lows and it's missing the depth for sure e- exactly and i expected so much more from from these two actors and what i have a feeling you know i don't know how long the shoot was on this but they spent a lot of time together with the two of them and i feel like there's a lot that happened with them being in character on set spending time where they felt like there was more or maybe it happened, got cut out of the edit, but this is a film where I could see these two guys really embracing this story because of the transformation that they went through um, in inhabiting these characters and going on this long journey over weeks and weeks of shooting. Uh, We don't get that depth that these two guys, you know, on the shoot, spending time as these characters had. And I feel like we sort of suffer from that because we don't get to go on the journey. I said at the front, I love road trip movies. I didn't, you know, this. There was not a journey, you know, that I really went on with these guys. First of, I geographically. I thought they. I was trying to track what route they took. They were all <laughs> over the place. I'm like, why would you go from here way back east to North Carolina, the, and then you're coming way? I, yeah, yeah, they were yeah. all over the place. I thought that's not the. Get your Google Maps out. Get ways. They'll find <laughs> you a more convenient route so you can get home by Christmas. Um, but there was there was such potential in so many pieces. But it just avoided, you know, taking them on, and so I, I'm glad they had this experience, you know, making this movie. I hope that audiences really discover the music of Doctor Don Shirley, because I think, oh, yeah. you know, I think here's an, an unknown great American artist to be rediscovered. I passed away in uh, just five five years ago, I believe. It was both of them within what months of each other? Yeah, these two gentlemen passed away. I like- um, yep. So, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that's something that can come from this is rediscovering a, an overlooked artist that has you know, been forgotten over the past few decades. That's the one light that I can take out of this is maybe some, some, some new music to enjoy. But I, I wanted to love this movie and it had everything I thought that I should love about this movie. But it just it's an I hate to say it, but it's almost an embarrassment.
0: This this wow. movie veers so far... I mean, you know, IMDb six-star rule. Uh, this movie is currently at 2,129 uh, ratings. This movie's coming in at 8.1 on the IMDb. Uh, okay. And I, I haven't been just... I, I mean, I, I haven't veered so far from from the imdb uh rating of my own rating in a long long time so it'll be interesting to get to to ranking this i will say that there are some there are some moments in here that are that are highlights you know when i i started i thought i, I opened with the fact that there are moments there are bits in here uh that, yeah. that i think are, are touching the letter writing bit i think was was touching uh right. i i think there were the, the payoff of the letter writing bit was about as predictable as any saccharine you know feel-good movie payoff could be the entire but sort of last ten minutes were was yeah. just horrible. Like Linda Cardellini, I did talk about underused. I mean, I, I, yeah. I I've yeah. I've loved her her work for a long long time, and she was you know again like she's the wife of uh, uh, Arrowhead Boy. What's his oh, name? Hawkeye. Hawkeye. <laughs> Hawkeye. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Arrowhead Jeremy Boy. Like Arrowhead Boy. That's not wow. very nice. Um, anyhow, Yeah, she's Hawkeye. She, she boy. was as unused. Yeah. Not Jeremy. Yeah, no, no, no. actually, right. Uh, yeah hawkeye hawkeye yeah where. she is as underused in this movie as she was in that movie and she's comically underused in her role oh, in that movie yes. but you well, can kind of I, buy I it especially there, liked know? her when i thought
2: how did they make ellen page look so old right. <laughs> <laughs> and there's like 12 years separating the two actresses oh. so i didn't realize yeah. until i got home i was like oh well that's not ellen page yeah that's
0: wow <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's that's great. I, I well, I'm gonna tell them both that next uh. time I see you there. Oh thanks. Uh yeah. <laughs> I that. love you both all, <laughs> everything you do. I just everything thought you, you were do. the same person. Yeah, so there were some touching moments, but I I feel like that that uh, when things went really downhill for me in this movie, after feeling completely underwhelmed by just the overall uh, attention to uh, the story and and just how not dark this movie was, and it should have been uh, to get to the end when you know Vigo says I can't keep my eyes open. The (laughs) entire it was like a house of cards. (laughs) Like okay. Here we go. Yeah. Do you want me to write this, guys, or should you write it? Who's who's going to do it? The audience here, because we're going to sing along. <laughs> uh, it, it was just way, way too much. Uh, all the way down yeah. to the false knock on the door. Wait, you're the oh, it's, you're it, the, oh, it's the, the the pawn, pawn shop, shop guy, guy. <laughs> and you're yeah. and the wife. <laughs> and then the yeah. door almost what closes was that, what was that about oh it was Ugh. just it, it was just a it, it was the the lean toward comedy never quite there it just never quite touched it and then there's Don Shirley at the door with the champagne because yeah. he's a gentleman always has oh, a bottle yeah. in his pocket
3: and there were some yeah. parts that were just so I don't know if it's I'm, I'm sitting there listening I'm like apparently his you know the Don Shirley trio he's got two secret philosophers there because I think at that dinner scene we, we get both the line or no i think yeah is that where we get the uh it takes a it takes courage to change a person's heart uh i right. wrote that down and then we had oh maybe now this was vigo earlier where he said uh oh the world is full of uh lonely people afraid to make the first move and then we get the whole yeah. you know it's, it's just these like here's these little you know sayings and i thought this movie doesn't earn these things it's it, and again it's well we haven't been able to show the audience these things so we'll just have a character say it because clearly we can't rely on what we've done in this story to communicate these ideals so it's just best to have somebody say them and to me that sort of encapsulated everything i felt this movie there was so much to say but they just did not have the story to
0: communicate it what's interesting about this steve as we kind of reflect on this i i i think you're right and and i feel like it's disingenuous to say that um they You know, they didn't touch on the issues of that were of of great importance or of of greater importance in this story. It's not that they didn't touch on them. This is the wrong movie. They missed them all together. This is this is the wrong movie got made out of this story. And I am a proponent of this story. I think there's probably a story here that would that would do us all great service to be told. It's just to the Shirley family. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah yes. and
2: and go and go into depth about the green book. Yeah. Like do yes. that stuff. Yeah. That stuff that's important.
3: Yes. Oh there's even I'll have to see if I can find the article. There was even issues about the green book because there was you know the way it's portrayed is oh the the night the places to stay that the green book has are like the ratty dumps. And they said time. that's not the case. There were there were decent clean places. Right. in the green book it wasn't just that oh well the only people that you know the colored people could stay at was just the, the, the you know rat infested you know water stained wallpaper you know that's all that they had um, so that between to have the i guess dichotomy of that versus you know vigo staying in in nice hotel rooms but they said no the green book didn't just direct them to crummy places like that there were other decent places so again we don't have an accurate portrayal even of what the green book was doing you know traveling while black i think is is he called it uh early on which i can't i can't imagine a character at that time saying that because it Mm -hmm. just rings so close to expressions we have nowadays you know of like driving while black or walking while black you know it's just all those things and yeah yeah, pete you're right i think maybe we'll we'll get another version of this hopefully somebody else to take this story on to tell something because to me it, it is important and i was disappointed because the way it resolved the ending, you know, everybody ha- ends up happy at the end, and we're then to think, oh well, clearly now racism is no longer a problem. You you watch, and you you mentioned why not have you know other directors take this on, and you know earlier this year Spike Lee did with Black Klansman, and when that story ends, which takes place in the seventies. In true spike lee fashion then what he is going to throw on the screen then is footage from charlottesville the show this is still an issue this is still going on today and this has not been solved and we need to do something about it whereas this film basically says tony became a great guy everybody's going to have a merry christmas and have a meal together and they all lived happily ever after.
0: Yeah, man,
3: white guys are great, especially and, and then the whole family, the whole family. We get we get a comedic look from them, and then the the brother. I was like, come on, let's get this guy some food. And I'm like, no, I don't yeah, think that's don't, gonna happen. I don't see it.
2: Do you <laughs> yep. guys remember when we did 42? Uh yeah. Is this like yeah that? yeah? Is this like Disney taking a story and whitewashing it? I don't it- think
3: 42 whitewashed it as much. I remember Chad okay. McBoseman in that, and I think it it maybe didn't get as dark and gritty, but it was still, there were probably a few characters, but I I don't think it was as uh, egregious as this one is.
2: Uh, unfortunately for me, it brought uh, all of my fears about a movie like this and us doing a movie like this for our show, and it it actually... Made them happen, so it's 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 disappointing. I, I think we need we get. more people of color telling their own stories and talk to the Shirley family.
0: But you know, you know? I mean, this is a this is a real challenge I have too because I it, I don't think. You, you, I, I don't think you necessarily have to have I mean, I, and I'm the one who just listed all these great black directors that I that ran writers that, that would have had a different sensibility uh, to, to telling this story. But I think, JJ, your your point here is not to be missed, that sure. this is not necessarily about uh, the fact that you have to have a black director telling the story. It is about the fact that. That you have to have a a director and writing team that are uh, that have a a clear understanding of the cultural representation of what it means to tell the story that they're telling. And this movie is tone deaf to my ear. Uh, And so I that's what hurts so much. I mean, I think a white director, a uh, Chinese director, a uh, Russian director, they they could have brought their own unique, uh, you know, uh, storytelling um, instincts to this story, uh, had they had they under- demonstrated that they understand it. And I don't get that from this movie. Nope, they told Tony's
2: story, and then they co-opted a really important uh, piece of history to do it. From a different culture, and, and, and you don't get you,
0: you certainly don't get the um, mm-hmm. the pairing, the cross-cultural pairing resonance that you get from something like Driving Miss Daisy, right? The classic sure. in the genre, yeah. Um, uh, of of this, and uh, you don't get any of that resonance uh, that we get from a from a movie like that. It just didn't step up.
2: Yeah, I agree. I don't know. Uh, I don't know if there's anything else that we need to talk about with it. There's a whole lot of things that we would change with it. Do you guys have any other closing remarks that you'd like to say about this one?
0: I got nothing. <laughs> no, I, we 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 vented
3: it all out. Well, let's get in and point. rank it
2: now. I want to tell you that my after our conversation, you guys have only fueled my fire on the negative things about this movie. My my ranking, my rating, everything has changed by talking to you guys on this, and I didn't expect that to happen. <laughs> um, I walked out thinking that the movie was fine, but now I'm like. <laughs> I am fired up. I do not want to support this movie anymore. So let's go and rank it. You can check out the entire film board filmography ranked, just like we're going to do here, at flickchart.com slash TNR film board. When you get there, you can create a tournament-style stack ranking of your own and see how your big screen proclivities compare to ours. So I think, Pete, you are running our board today. I am are running are we the board. green book? against.
0: Well, this is interesting. So we have Green Book, purportedly a story of of a uh, deep uh, racial merit. And mm-hmm. uh it, it is up against another movie that uh, that that attempts to dig into that sort of deep r- racial divide. It is 2017's The Mummy. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Um <sighs> Oh.
2: Why is that in the middle for us? I'm actually going to... The Mummy has gotten better with age for me. Oh, you've seen it um, again? No, just in <laughs> oh, okay. my memory. Oh, it's, 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 <laughs> it's settling up. So I'm so, going to go with The Mummy on this one.
3: I remember being really disappointed totally right? with that. And uh, see, I the thing is, I'm sort of where you are, JJ. I didn't walk out of the theater like angrily disappointed until I've had more. But I mean, I walked out. I was at a four o'clock show. So I got home and had like half an hour to like just simmer in my thoughts. And so the more I've talked with you, the more upsetting this movie has become because I I wasn't angry. I thought, okay, I was disappointed. I see the mummy was just like bad, I think, in some points. And so for that reason, I have to go with, I have to go with green on this one because the mummy was just really bad. Okay, Pete, what do you got? (laughs)
0: Uh this is really hard. Um Yeah, see? see? Because I I mean straight up the the mummy actually landed uh, uh higher on my own personal flick chart than uh, it was lower on than Green Book did. And so uh, I have to go I have to go with the mummy. That's fine. I That's, right. that's fine. <laughs> and so now we've got Green Book up against the equalizer. The equalizer. Oh, the equalizer. Know, yeah, the by equalizer. Far. I liked that a lot. And Green Book against oh dear. Gents, child 44. Oh, I have to abstain. I didn't <gasps> see that. Green book. Really? Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna go with you on that one because I think uh, I think the joke has now <laughs> has now, has now completely so yeah it's now completely subsumed my memory of the movie. That's all, all I know is,
2: is Tom was actually in the movie saying that line <laughs> okay, over exactly. and over
0: again, and and a green book can't undress a child. No. <laughs> exactly. uh, so anyhow, all right, so we're going with green book on that one. Uh, next yeah. we've got uh, green book or Jack Ryan Shadow Recruit. I'm Jack Ryan on Green, this. I'm, I'm Green Book. Oh, I'm Jack Ryan for the accent alone. For the for Kenneth Branagh's Russian accent? I would absolutely watch this movie. Oh, three times in a row before I'll put Green Book on again. In fact, I, I will tell you, the, the flick chart is already broken because of that Child 44 thing. I almost want to go back and redo it because there are so many movies that are now below Green Book that I really regret.
3: So, oh... I don't care. I'll flip a coin. I'll say.
0: Are you actually flicking a coin, flipping a no, coin right
3: now? <laughs> no, no, I'll say
0: Green Book. Okay. JJ, you were Green Book? I was. We did see that same movie, right? How about Green Book or Everest? Everest. Yeah, Everest. Yeah, I'm definitely Why Everest. are all these movies so terrible? Well, yeah, we're gosh, at the bottom. It. How about Green Book or War Dogs? War Dog. Oh, I have to abstain. I, I was not a part yeah, of that I'm one. I'm all War, War dogs, dogs on this one. How about Green Book? Or no, there is no more because Green Book has landed. It is now number 62 out of 75 on our okay. flick chart. Uh, I think that okay. seems right. Does that feel about right? I think so. Sure. All yeah. right. Well, according to the algorithm, if we are to use the flick chart algorithm and its placement in the list here to define our star rating for letterbox.com slash the next reel, it should be a one star. It is technically a 1.7 out of 10. Uh, so one out of five. How does that hold up to uh,
2: Well, to I'm going to give guys? it a two. Walking into this conversation, I was going to give it a three because I was in that sanitation mode. I was, but then after reading the criticism and then totally agreeing with the criticism, <laughs> I came down a full star on it. And my personal flick chart, it was a 1.8. So we're pretty close to where I was in the way that it was going for me.
0: Yeah, I'm two stars also. You know, I was a... I think I was a one star, and I think I'm... I I mean, I can land on two, but wow, it's... uh, I don't know.
2: I think you should probably be lower. Based on my listening to the way that you feel about this movie, (laughs) I think probably a one makes sense. I
0: think I'm a one, and that puts us right (laughs) about 1.6. I mean, it averages up anyway to two stars... I am not uh, going to be in a position to give it a heart, however. Okay. Uh, no. It's no, just I, a I think, dumb interpretation of an important story, and I find that uh, hard to hard to settle in any higher than that. I just, I'm not interested in this movie again.
2: I think that's fair. Where do we go from here? We are in a really weird sort of winter malaise right now, looking at December of 2018 here. There's a whole bunch of movies coming out, and it's a really difficult thing with the holidays. So what we're going to try to do is figure out what we think might be the biggest movie uh, with the availability that's coming out and we would like to hear from you if you have a particular movie that you're interested in talking about or hearing us talk about in december particularly right around the holidays because that's when all the big ones come out please let us know go to the dot com, find us in our discord chat and let us know what you want to talk about what you want to see and what you want us to go out and spoil for you because i think that's where we're going to go hey uh pete what are you guys doing on the main show on the next reel
0: well, that's a really good question. Uh, so this is going to go out right in the middle of the first pairing in our Movies in Their Remakes series. Uh, we are still trucking through our sort of, uh, I guess I would say, our master series of movies celebrating their 50th anniversaries. Uh, and, and within that, we have some fun little series. So Movies in Their Remakes, we start with The Thomas Crown Affair. Uh, the first Thomas Crown Affair starred uh, Steve McQueen and Faye Dunaway Ooh, came well, out in fun. 1968. And it was really fun. Uh, And uh, so we that came out last week, uh, and this week. Looking forward to uh, the remake with um, uh, Rene Russo uh, and um, mm, Hunky Pierce Brosnan, Uh, and so that comes out next week. So we're in the middle of the Thomas Crown Affairs, the Thomas Crown's affair. Uh, Anyway, Remington Steele. Exactly, exactly. So we're very excited (laughs) about that, and uh,
2: uh, can't wait to talk about it this week. So check that out on The Weekly Show. And as we've been talking about all throughout the show, come and check us out on Discord. We gather with folks about a half hour before we start our film board shows to chat a bit about how much the movie took us one way or the other and how angry we plan on getting in the hour to hour and a half. We're going to talk about it after we talk with you. So go to thenextreel.com for details on how you can connect with us there in our virtual green room. Thank you all so much for listening, and happy holidays. Say goodnight, Pete Wright. Goodnight, JJ. One more word from Steve Sarmento? Hondo. (laughs) At the next reel, when the movie ends, our conversation begins. Till next.
1: audible
0: there are so many great adaptations we've covered on the film board available in audio form the born legacy cloud atlas all three hobbit movies the book is so much better oz the great and powerful or world war z there was the monuments men the first two divergent movies and edge of tomorrow oh i heard that book was awesome what was it called again all you need is kill by hiroshi Sakurazaka. terrible title in either case but a great read and a great
1: movie Absolutely. There's also The White Tiger and Stephen King's It. Plus Dune, which is one of my audiobook favorites. Oh, mine too. You know, producing this podcast is a lot of fun, but takes a lot of time. So now we're appealing to you, our dear listener. Please consider an Audible subscription to help support The Fillboard and the Next Wheels family of
0: podcasts. I've been using Audible, along with my family, for decades now. I love it, and I've read hundreds of books through it. Couldn't be more pleased with their service, and I know you'll love it too. Head to thenextreel.com slash audible and get your free trial. It really helps us out. And you have a world of over 200,000 audiobooks open to you.
1: So much great material available. Dive in with a free trial and get your first free audiobook at thenextreel.com slash audible.
0: Start listening to amazing audiobooks of your favorite movie source material with your first free audiobook today. That's thenextreel.com slash audible.